the San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley perspective for a global audience. Featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 23, Episode 16. Ocean Global Race. Neptune arrives in Cape Town, South Africa. Talking with Skipper, Tan Raffray, and Amy Bridge. The 27,000-mile around-the-world race began September 10th, 2023, when 14 ocean-going sailboats set sail from Southampton, England, en route to Cape Town, South Africa. Representing eight countries, the boats covered the first stage of the race, 7,000 miles, in about 42 days. Neptune arrived Friday, October 27th, the seventh contestant to cross the finish line. Joining us today from Cape Town is Tan Raffray, captain of the Neptune, and Amy Bridge, who has a keen interest in the Neptune project, and she joins us from Sebastopol, California. Welcome to the show, Tan and Amy. Thank you very much for inviting So nice to be with you. Thanks so much, Jim. My pleasure. Tan, let's start with you first. Tell us how it felt to see Cape Town just a couple of days ago after seven weeks at sea. It's always difficult to describe, but uh, we were waiting for a long time to see the to see Cape Town because uh, we had a lot of problem of forecast. There were very few information on the boat, and um, the wind was really light. So two days before arrival, the arrival, we were stuck in the camp for about, uh, I would say, not less than 20 hours. Mm-hmm. And then to, to the boat start again with a very light wind. And uh, we did a long, long uh, reach to about, I would say, seven miles from the arrival. That stopped again. So we, we, were, we were really... We, we were waiting all this time. It was very long. When we saw the mountain, so, so it was a bit rainy, but it was a bit emotion to see the ground and to see, okay, now it's almost finished. We have to do our best on the finish line. Very exciting. And Amy, tell us about Neptune's unique mission regarding Parkinson's awareness. Well, the story, we've spent the past nearly two months sharing this story, actually much longer story of Neptune and Bertrand. This is a lifelong dream of both Tan and Bertrand, Bertrand, excuse me, I've been saying in English too long, <laughs> to sail around the world. And after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, Bertrand did not know if he would ever be able to achieve this dream. But because a lot of pieces fell into place and good luck with meeting Tan, Tan being a physician and also having some personal understanding of Parkinson's, was planning, had had secured a boat and was planning to do the Ocean Globe and secured Neptune, a boat that had been in the Whitbread years ago. So the pieces just came together in a very fortuitous way. Tan was know that Bertrand is the first person with Parkinson's to sail around the world. He's completed the first leg, apparently in good health, which I'm sure we'll hear more about. So Neptune and the crew are sailing to raise awareness of Parkinson's. And this is a global effort. 
we've been sharing it with the Bay Area sailing and Parkinson's communities since before they left. It's raising a lot of energy and awareness and giving a lot of hope and inspiration. Well, let's move on to the voyage. Seven weeks on that little boat with a crew of 14. Amy, why don't you begin with some questions for Tan? Well, the first question I have, now that we know that Tan was exhausted and is now feeling better, thankfully, I'm most curious, how is Bertrand? He's a very strong man. He's all right. He's a bit tired. We lost a lot of weight because, um, as you Mm -hmm. probably know, we had no water and no food at the end, so a lot of restriction. But uh, everybody is in good shape. Especially Bertrand, who did the, he take all this medication, and he was strict about that. He was also doing a little bit of training to do every day. Mm-hmm. Very good crew member, and um, he has a strong volunteer. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. You said that in the last few days you ran out of food, you ran out of water. Tell us about that. How did that happen? He said uh, in the doldrum um, we had a strike a desalinizator uh, strike uh, we don't know why but the membranes was broken so we were just a bit of half i would say half capacity of the desal so uh, we just had a few little day just for coffees and, and washing things and our reserve of uh, our tank was not full, so we had to get some more water. We, we got some water because we are big showers, but we had to do a reflection of mm-hmm. that's the first thing. The second thing is that at the end, it, we, I say, on extra week, because we thought we were going to be uh, in Cape Town, uh, I would say, on the 20s or on the 21. So we had an, an extra week of selling. We had a reserve of dehydrated Dehydrated food. I'm sorry, but it's it's close to the French. Yes. But uh, we had not a lot of water, so it was a complicated problem because we had enough food, not enough water. Mm -hmm. We had to take very much care about that. So at the end, I would say only the three or four last days, uh, we were a bit short of nothing really dangerous. Have you been able to repair the water supply? Yes, it, it will be repaired tomorrow. I see, very good. So we try to have the less weight as possible. We try to limit the weight. So there was not a lot of extra food like on a cruising and 10 people on boat. So a lot of food if you want to, to survive. So it's, it's always difficult to balance extra food or to be too short. And Tan, how did the crew cope with with that, the challenge of the water, the challenge of the food? You know, you have uh, 10 adults uh, who are there on the boat. What was morale like for the crew? It's a very interesting question. Ten, (laughs) uh, I think that we have a lot of bad habits. We are used to have a lot of luxury and to have enough food and enough enough to drink. So um, we need to have new habits when you're on a boat. So at the beginning of the trip, everybody was, they do every day. They thought there was no problem of food, no problem of water. And then when we fight, the general and common uh, thought about that, and people get more um, 
involved and more uh, conscious that we are on the boat and we have to take care because uh, we are low from the shore and we have to survive altogether in good condition. So it's like Shackleton Journey or all these guys. One day it gets different. Sounds well, th- this is just about what I was going to ask as well because, Tan, you're such a seasoned sailor. And I was going to ask what comes to mind about this journey, what you have learned so far. This is just the first leg, and it's monumental in itself. And before you leave for Auckland, what kinds of things have you learned that you, if there is anything that you were not aware of prior to departure because of the length and the difficulty of this journey? It's a difficult question, but uh, the first thing, that are all in the boot. The renovation was made by uh, competent people. We had a very good designer with uh, Erwan. He did a fantastic job because uh, the refit of the boat was made in all details. So mm-hmm. now it's an old boat, but it is uh, really, really reliable. So we have um, we, we are in trust with technology. Of course, it's always uh, it's always a human adventure. Every day there is some difficulties, but we solved we solved it. We solved all the issues. Main experience we had and the main problem we had was with the forecast because uh, it was a long trip and a very tricky forecast. So mm-hmm. we were unexpected of the South Atlantic. We discover this part of the world with this full uh, sea with this own we, we have to with its own strategy that, that was the, the main experience after I think that um, there was a concept we were so we were used of offshore there was interest so there, honestly on the boat sometimes it was difficult because we were stuck in the car I think was everybody was uh, uh, very confident. Mm-hmm. Now, Ten, you didn't have you. You had to use traditional navigation implements, uh, celestial navigation implements. You couldn't use electronic navigation implements. Explain to us. Explain to our listeners what it was like to navigate seven thousand miles from England to South Africa, <laughs> the old-fashioned way, relying on a sextant, a compass and not being able to use electronic navigation tools? To be honest, there is electronic tools on the boat because uh, we have the IES. That's important because there is uh, other ship uh, and we care not having a, a collision. We have also the lock, so we can calculate how many miles we do every day. It's a very important help after celestial navigation and it become a routine uh, generally you make a celestial position every day at noon it's uh, really very precise when you are used to it uh, it isn't unprecise and it gives you a, a good control of the navigation <laughs> so you have to get used and and it always at the beginning it's a thing but after uh, after you eat every day you, you, you do it in 10 minutes. I have another question for you with, with regard to the crew. Now, you had a crew of 10, 
was it all male or did you have uh, did you have uh, one or two women as part of the crew the regulation of very uh, strict if you want to have the maximum of score you need to have one wo- minimum one woman on board and a young uh, younger than uh, 23 so we had one woman with who was uh, 33 years old and one young of uh, 20 to uh, 20 years old, 20 years old so I think it, it's it's a good compromise. We could have two three ones. I don't think it's a problem. I prefer to have a parity because it's always in, it, it's it's a better balance. I love women. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tan, now that you're in Cape Town, and of course you have a week before the race resumes on November 5th, leaving Cape Town to go to Auckland, New Zealand. Will the same crew be with you for that leg of the uh, the race from Cape Town to Auckland? Or will you get some new crew members and some crew members might leave you? What's the status of the crew? That's a good question. The Neptune challenge is a very... It's a different challenge because there, there was a lot of people involved, especially uh, for the refit of the boat. So we try to, to be fair and that everybody finds on pleasure. So the best case is there is judgment of crew every leg. So there is a fixed crew and a moving crew. The fixed crew is five people. And there is uh, each leg. There is five five new people coming, so and it's always dependent of uh, of everybody work and, and family. So so now for the we we try, for the two south legs we will have uh, I would say strong sailors really used to strong. It's going to be very weight and very tiring. I would say that uh, I misestimate the first leg. I think the next leg will, will be could be a little bit more difficult, but faster. So it will be probably easier because we go fast. Amy, any follow-up questions on that point? Well, I guess I'm just also curious. I'm going to go back to the mission of the boat and Breton and how he inspires the crew. I know he is part of the crew now, it's, it's, and I almost don't even want to call him out, but it is part of this mission. Is this? I know this is a hard question, but is at this point, or is it just a crew, or is there some different dynamic because of what Beltran is doing and what everyone is doing with him right now? No, I think that Bertrand is perfectly included. He's a real crew member. He has a, uh, on the boat. He, we ask him to do the thing a bit different, different because of we want to manage it, and we want that he has a good control of his, of his health, of his medication. But he does job. He does jump like everybody. I think that he has a very important role because uh, we ask him to help. In, uh, for the full possession of, of the life on board, and he does it really well. He gave us, uh, I would say, a comfortable life, and mm-hmm. it's precious. Mm-hmm. So thanks yes. to Bertrand for because it's not an easy, it's, it's, it's not an easy task, and he does it really, really well. I think he's uh, one of the strongest guy of the boat, and 
he wants to share with other people and he wants to, to prove that to prove that despite his disease is fighting with we are all fighting together and uh, he gave us uh, I give, he gave us a lot of himself that's mm. I think that our our crew is a bit different than the other crew because it could be uh, our work is the same, but Bertrand support supports the crew. He's in the, in the crew, but he's a good support. Mm-hmm. I have another question for you, Ten. Of course, in this race, the you're you're sailing twenty four hours a day. So, how do you manage the night? Do you have does the crew sleep in shifts? Do do you have one crew who's who's asleep during the day and then they take over the night shift. How does that work? And what were the sleeping arrangements for 10 people on this boat? All right. It's not, it's not very easy. You know, there is not, uh, it's just a boat is uh, as a, a nice inside, but racing boats so, so very light. We have the same berths because we don't have any uh, personal accommodation. So we have uh, two groups of People who are we are changing every four hours, mm-hmm. night and days. So and we have two people, Bertrand, who is out of the watching. But this system allows to have one or two person every day on on complete rest. So Bertrand and, and me we participate to the watch. Depending of depending of the of the team, but every every day there is somebody who is able to have a complete night. But every day there is something some, somebody who is able to have a complete night. I can I clear. It's not so easy in English. But mm-hmm. <laughs> what about shower arrangements and personal care? There you have showers, you have uh, toilets, etc. There on the boat. How did all that work out? <laughs> That's a very good question. First 15 days or the first three weeks, we were using showers and personal accommodation. Then it was more complicated because we are uh, we had water restrictions, so we did we didn't do any toilets, the minimum. And at the end of the trip, it was a bit difficult, but we were we were together for six weeks, so there was no no real problems but we need the showers we all need the showers arriving in Cape Town (laughs) (laughs) and you can wash you can get washed with salt water if you if you have the right soap oh so it it works and how was the weather during the seven weeks that you were sailing Uh, of course you're going from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere you're going from autumn in the northern hemisphere to fall in the southern hemisphere. Tell us about the change in the weather over the seven weeks that you were at sea. So I, I will really try to be short. So which is important is going from the 50th uh, degree latitude mm-hmm. north to the 34 south latitude. So it's a long and there is a big, big, big climate changes. Mm-hmm. So at the begin, beginning, you are in very, in a very temperate zone, like uh, channels and the Biscay. Mm-hmm. Slowly, you're getting warmer and warmer, which is a nightmare because there is no wind. Those, um, 
<laughs> temperature of the water is about 30 degrees. Outside is about 35. Very wind. In this aluminum alloy boat, uh, it, it can be a nightmare because uh, it's so warm, especially without a lot of water. And you have this big zone of calm from the 10 north to the 10 south. You have to, and very tricky wind. So you can be stopped for, for I would say, 24 or more, 24 hours or more. And then when you are arriving in the South Atlantic, you have to manage St. Helen anticyclone. And uh, it's, it, it, going to the camp is very difficult. Because generally, if you go by west, you have you have the downwind, but it's a long way. And if you try the east option, you are again, you are attacking against the wind, and um, it can be hard, hard sea, and 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 difficult. When you look at at the, the strategy of the boat, the fastest most boat takes the west option, like Pendixis, because they are really faster. Uh, the middle fleet takes the east option. I will take the side of the anticyclone arriving in, uh, I would say, five, six days after. And one boat takes the option. It was out and it did really well. So I said, I think that there is no reset. You just have to, depending on, on luck and your option, there is no, it's difficult to, to mm-hmm. have so. To, to find the right. Did you see any other boats, any of the, the other 13 boats that are part of the Ocean Global race, or did you see any other ships on uh, on your seven-week voyage? Yeah, we see a lot of merchant ships because uh, the doldrum is, uh, there is quite a lot of boats uh, crossing the Atlantic uh, from the south to the north and crossing the, to, from the Africa to north. America. It was we don't we didn't had any collision risk, but we had to take care and keep a good watch. Arriving before Cap, of course, there is a lot of of merchant ship going to the north. To the uh, we didn't see our any boats of the fleet except on arriving on the Cap or where Trian was uh, very close to us. After 8,000 miles sailing, there was a really a match at the finishing line uh, against Rihanna, like uh, in shore race. We won. Arrived <laughs> 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 right, uh, five minutes before them. Oh. And we were, we were really excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> uh, tell me, you're an average day. Of course, you're spending all of when you're not asleep, you're spending your time on deck and uh, managing the sails and, you know, looking out for the boats, etc. Did you have any free time or was all of your time taken up with managing the boat, managing the, the sailing process and then getting rest and eating? Was that your day? Yes, I don't think there is a lot of free time, and it's not really comfortable to because uh, it's a 20-meter-long boat, so it's not a small boat, but uh, 10 people on a 20-meter boat is a bit crowded. So you don't have a lot of time. Uh, uh, some people read, mm-hmm. some and for music. I think that the, the, the main problem is to find a, a small place to have time to, to be alone, you can do it in the in the uh, in the in the front of the boat in a 
the hotel room, but uh, that's that's the main problem is to find uh, sometime a place to who you are and you can have your mm-hmm. own salt. What surprised you about this leg of the journey? There was there any one or several uh, several uh, events that happened on this leg of the journey that you weren't expecting? Were there any surprises that you just weren't expecting or prepared for? Or did everything unfold exactly the way you thought it was going to unfold, except the problem with the water, the problem with the food? Except the strike and, and the, the break of the desalinizator, which is for me a big break because uh, it's very stressing. I had no really issue. Honestly, uh, I did a lot of offshore, so and we had no big breaks. Uh, we had a good rigging. We had very with the sails. Uh, we are in very good shape and very strong. And for people problems, it, you, you have to manage that, and it's always difficult because it's a long trip. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the on the max the major problem we had was. To have not enough forecast information and very capricious um, uh, forecast, and that's really difficult to manage because you don't know exactly. You never know exactly what to do. Which option is. And of course, when you when you can't rely on satellites and satellite weather reports and that sort of thing, that creates another level of stress, knowing that that technology is out there, but you're not able to use it because that's there are the terms of the Whitbread race, right? Yes, it is. But it, it, it is but it is not exactly true because I think that this is the problem of the rules of this race. I, I hope that it will change. It's, it, it's not a, for me, it's not a good thing. Uh, but it's difficult to discuss with the organizer about that. All the owners try to do it, but uh, there, is, there is no positive answer. At the first time, it's in '73, they had forecast, and they have really good contact with people giving them routing or forecast. So we, I, I would say that today, the problem of this race is the boats are blind, and it's, I, I think it's, it, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Amy, any additional thoughts about Bertrand and uh, how he how he's preparing for the second leg of the journey to New Zealand? Well, just uh, actually, what I wanted to ask on our first podcast, I think we discussed creating the crew creating journals during the journey, and I was wondering if they are doing that just because it's this is a very big effort, very long effort, and it's hard to remember. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what happened a month ago, two months ago, except in very general terms. And I wanted to ask Tan if the crew and you have been able to keep a journal and a record of the voyage that is, if that you're able to make that happen. I think that uh, it's interesting because everybody writing for his own. So uh, I think we will be able then to ask people to probably mix the report. And we, we did a lot of movies and pictures so for the third leg, the fourth, we will be we will have a media plan. So it's a big work, but um, I think that we will try to make a, a really good report and movie about about this experience because we would like to share. And uh, yeah. the goal, the Neptune project, is uh, to share. It's, uh, we we'd like to win, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, of course, we are not here. We are not there for just for cruising. 
it's a different project and we want to share with uh, with people with parkinson with people who have parkinson or degenerative illness because uh, that's the main thing well in the remaining few minutes of the podcast what are your closing thoughts tan in the few minutes left of the podcast what are your closing yes. thoughts i think we are uh, now in the preparation of the next leg so now we are consulting on all details to, that uh, the boat will be ready and everybody will be ready mm-hmm. for us it, now it's uh, i see and so you leave cape town on sunday november 5th we will leave uh, we leave then uh, start will be at two two o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. so we have many things to do um, many things to do so organization ask a few checks check crew is check etc etc so we have a very short time and um, we the boat is getting ready uh, work in progress we don't have to lose any time mm-hmm. and we are going in the south we know that the south can be tricky we need to we need to finish the preparation as as soon as possible i see and amy any closing thoughts as we bring this podcast to an end with tan in cape town south africa yeah i want to give the give tan and bertrand and the crew a big boost to let you know that a lot of people are sharing this information there's a lot of conversation on social media it's in the news the sailing community here in California, Northern and Southern California, very interesting. We're making more headway with the sailing community and with the Parkinson's community. So it's working, it's being shared and everybody here is behind you. I just, I want to encourage more people to follow the race on YB races on the app and on the ocean globe race website. But it's just an amazing, amazing accomplishment, even so far. And I hope to I hope to see everybody in Auckland. I'm very excited. And how can our listeners follow the Neptune apart from the sites that you just mentioned, Amy? Any other uh, any other ways for listeners to follow the progress of Neptune and the other 13 boats? Well, the first thing they should do is try to get me as a friend on Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay, (laughs) because I I post and repost everything from the family, family of the crew. I follow religiously every day, more than I should probably. (laughs) But I would say follow on YB Races. It doesn't update as quickly as we would like sometimes, but it's a good way to see the position of the boats. And it's a good way to understand some of the strategy of long-distance sailing, why a specific route is being taken, et cetera. But I think um, on the Ocean Globe Race site is kept very much up to date for all the boats. Um, Any news, good and bad, seems to come through Don and through the OGR organization. There are, it's all over the news. If you Google Neptune Gagne avec Parkinson's, it's, it's everywhere right now. There was a brief, I think, this morning that Tan did with Bertrand. Uh, in French. So it's all over the media in, in various languages right now. I'm very excited about that. But I just have to tell you that uh, there is a complete 
call of dawn of all communication. We are not allowed to, communi to communicate by ourselves. We, we need, we are obliged to communicate by himself. So we send all the information to the organization. If we, if we do by ourselves, we are taxed. He has a complete control. We try to, to break the globe because it's stupid, but he doesn't want. So uh, now uh, I'm very sorry. A lot of people are very dis disappointed because we don't, uh, we don't send communication by our own, but it's not allowed. Marita Barley did it and she was taxed. Yeah. So, yes. That, so does that mean yes. she, she loses points or she gives up points? Is that when you say taxed? Is that what you mean? Yes, she had uh, 72 hours of tax oh. penalty. So uh, yeah, it's penalty. Oh, that's a, that's a that's a huge penalty. So yeah, yeah, that's difficult. And uh, uh, control, everything is controlled. All communication is controlled. The SIM is controlled. So the SIM card is controlled. So they know exactly when when we we send the message. So, and we are not allowed with except for safety. So it explains that uh, there is few, few pictures and very, very small text. Mm -hmm. In closing, I, I noted this morning, Sorry. I looked at, there are still two boats that are out there that have yet to arrive in uh, Cape Town. And mm -hmm. Godspeed... Which is the which is the crew of the uh, the former U.S. Marines who who are doing this race as a challenge. Uh, they're P many of them have PTSD and they're doing the they're doing this race as a as a challenge to to confront their PTSD. I noticed that they still have 829 miles to cover yeah. until arriving in Cape yeah. Town. Any yeah. closing thoughts there, Tan, about, about Godspeed? And obviously they, they wouldn't be listening to this, but maybe some of their friends will be listening to this. Uh, any words of encouragement uh, for, for our friends on Godspeed? Godspeed is a very nice challenge. Uh, they, they got a very, very, uh, the boat was really damaged. They did a beautiful and huge work on the boat. And uh, they start uh, with, uh, I would say, week but um, so they had still a lot of work to do to be really prepared so they break they broke their boom I, I think in the in front of Portugal they had, yeah. they had to go to run and to change the boom uh -huh. and to restart again and uh, I hope and they did their best they are really great guys mm -hmm. so uh, I hope they will arrive at time and we continue the race because they are, they are as a max merits. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, I want to thank our guest today, Tan Raffray, the captain of the Neptune, and Amy Bridge, who has been following on a daily basis, almost hour by hour basis, the progress of Neptune as it's made its way from England down to South Africa. I want to thank you both. And Tan, I want to wish you, as the French say, bon vent for the next leg of Merci. your trip from uh, Cape Town to, uh, to New Zealand. And we will do the podcast when you arrive. What day are you expected to arrive in Auckland, New Zealand? Christmas. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. What, a, what a present. <laughs> well, hopefully. Christmas, Christmas, first Christmas in Auckland. Very good. <laughs> I mean, it would be fantastic. And uh, I think that if 
we, I think we will have a lot, lot of reporter too. It will be one of the memories Christmas. Well, hopefully we'll be able to do a podcast with you when you arrive in Auckland, right around the Christmas season. Enjoy hearing your exploits of the, the second leg of the trip from Cape Town, South Africa to Auckland, New Zealand. Once again, I want to thank our guest, Tan Raffray and Amy Bridge for joining us today and telling us about this fascinating challenge around the world on a racing sailboat. And in this case, it's the Neptune that, uh, that we're covering. So once again, both Tan and Amy, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 463. The San Francisco Experience podcast is carried on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, 18 platforms with listeners in 60 countries. Feedspot recently recognized us as a top 25 California news podcast. This has been the San Francisco Experience Podcast with Jim Herlihy, coming to you from San Francisco. Mm-hmm.